Defenders Podcast, the number one fan podcast about the Marvel Netflix series. I'm Claire. And I'm Robin. And we don't have Matt and Mel uh, this week, I'm afraid, for this bonus episode because we think they're hibernating in snowy Canada. <laughs> I think Canada's probably still snowy. It seems snowy all year oh, round. But we do have a very special guest with us instead. Um, the now, well, Kingpin's now right-hand man, I guess we could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably only one of Team, team Kingpin still standing. Uh, Tommy Walker. Uh, and who do you play, Tommy, in the show? Hello, uh, yes, I play Francis on Netflix's Daredevil. Awesome. And as I said, you're probably the, the last man standing out of Team Fisk, apart from Fisk and Vanessa. Right on, yeah, it, it appears that way, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I, um, thank you so much for coming on, by the way. Um, we really uh, appreciate no, it. No, I, think sure. I, I think I joked with you that, in my opinion, I think Francis is one of the winners of the series, because apart from Matt Murdock, he's the only one who survives a beating by both Nobu and Wilson Fisk. He's now <laughs> one of the only one of Team Fisk that's still alive and uh, gets to leave with the Kingpin's misses at the end of the series. So, well done. All right. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and congratulations, obviously, on the show, because it's been an app, a massive success. Um, yeah, it's been huge. It's, it must be so, you know, must just be such an experience to be on something that's just that big. Yeah, it, without a doubt. It is very exciting. I mean, we all, I think everybody knew the show was going to be good. Once you get on set and you can see what type of, uh, you know, attention to detail and passion people were putting into it, you could imagine that it was going to be good and that the, I was a fan already. So I thought, oh, this is going to be really pleasing to fans as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know. For it to be as big as it's been since, I don't think anybody could, uh, you know, predict that one. Yeah, exactly. Particularly when a lot of, you know, the public, their only um, sort of prior knowledge, I guess, of Daredevil was the movie, uh, which obviously didn't do that well. Um, The fact that it's been embraced so much is great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Could you tell us a bit about sort of how you got involved in the show, like your audition process? That was an interesting process only because, um, you know, I originally went in for a day player role, a smaller part, um, months before, last summer. And um, I didn't get it, and I kind of moved on. And about three months later, casting called me back in for the role of Francis. Um, and, you know, it had a different name on the script when we got the script, because everyone has aliases on your mm-hmm. audition pieces, so nothing would leak, and there were no, you know, dead giveaways. So I went in not really knowing too much about the character. They, didn't, they don't tell you too much, so you just have to kind of use your gut and go with it. Uh, he doesn't speak a lot, as you know, anyway, so it was only a couple lines, and um, I did it. And I went to Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, on a Friday. I mm-hmm. believe it was October 11th or 12th. It was around that. And I was holding for, like, an entire week, and they still hadn't made the decision on who was going to be Francis. So I'm going around Comic-Con, and I'm trying to, you know, just kind of put it out of my mind. But it was kind of hard to do when you're at Comic-Con, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan as it is, so I was just enjoying the day and trying to, you know, move on. But uh, the next day, it was a Saturday, Daredevil cast, the main cast. Yeah, Charles, yeah. Deborah, all them, Eldon, they were all supposed to be there. And it was the first time you're going to get the main cast together to answer questions and take pictures and autographs, things like that. And I wasn't able to go, so I thought, oh, man, it would be so cool to see them. But I also don't know if I'm going to be joining them. So it was a very <laughs> strange day. And uh, this is quite literally what happened. I went home. I put a bag of, of swag, some merch on my desk, and my agent called and said, you got it, and you have to go down to set tonight for a hair test because they colored my hair down. And I was wow. like, the next minute, I was at, you know, one minute I'm at Comic-Con, the next minute I'm on set in Queens, and I'm now in the, in the cast. It was really cool. 
that's amazing. That's so quick as well. You know, it's like literally get to set, you know, to get ready for the role. But so um, yeah. they wanted uh, me to do this the next week, I guess, and they wanted to make wow. sure the hair was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your hair's a lot blonder, isn't it? Usually, mm-hmm. uh, seeing like photos, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it must have been amazing just going from like Comic Con and then just immediately being told you're going to be in this, you know, in the first Marvel Netflix series. And yeah. obviously you said that you're a fan. And I know um, I, I heard you on the This Week in um, in Marvel podcast where you're on with Peter Shinkoda and you're oh, yeah. saying that you're a big fan of the comics. So did you had you read Daredevil before or like what sort of comics had you read? Like it doesn't have to be Marvel, just anything, you know, like what have you really been a fan of? Oh, yeah, I, I was a Daredevil fan. It sounds a little generic, you know, because it's like, oh, of course he is because he's on the show, but that's <laughs> not true. Uh, I, loved, I loved Daredevil growing up. It was one of my top Marvel books. I loved X-Men. I was big into X-Men back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, and I read Daredevil, Amazing Spider-Man. I was really into that. And then, nice. you know, the McFarlane run when, when Spider-Man Solo came out, uh, when McFarlane was doing it, I was so into that stuff. Mm. But Daredevil-related, oh, my gosh, I've got stuff in my little mental Rolodex, like, um, well, the Born Again series was really influential, but I didn't really get it back then. I didn't quite get all the tones. I just thought mm-hmm. it was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've since read it a bunch of times, and I think that's probably the best, in my opinion, the best Daredevil story, uh, you know, condensed story in one shot. I think it's probably the best written story ever. But um, I loved Anne Nascenti's stuff. I was mesmerized by her Daredevil run because, mm-hmm. John Romita Jr.'s art was very kind of gritty and rough around the edges, but still really detailed at the time. And, uh, you know, like issue 270 with Mephisto really scared me because he had like an, you know, he kind of like disguised himself as a human or something. Yeah. Weird panel. There's like a big splash page of Mephisto. So you can only imagine as a kid, it was like really weird to me. I was <laughs> like, this is really dark. And, um, oh, His geez. artwork as well on Mephisto is, is amazing in that run. It's a very like, very yeah. good. And right, um, right after uh, the Typhoid Mary one, which was really good, 254 on mm-hmm. to like 59 or something like that. That was a really good run. I had every single issue. I picked them up on the on the newsstand at the time. Uh, I was just getting them right off the rack. Nice, yeah, yeah. I love the I love Typhoid Mary as well. She's one of my favorite characters, and I actually went to the last London Comic Con dressed as the Ramita Typhoid Mary with the big hair uh-huh. and the metal shoulder pads and everything. I'd love to see pictures of that one. (laughs) It's a very cool kind of 80s look, yeah, so I'm Ah. a big fan. Uh, But I agree with you of Born Again. I think Born Again is amazing, and I completely can get, because I think when I read it as a kid, I didn't really get it either, because, you know, you're like, why is Daredevil not in his costume? And you don't (laughs) really Why did he just throw a baby off a roof? (laughs) Yeah, you're like, what's happening? (laughs) Why is he working in a diner, like, flipping burgers, (laughs) you know? Um, But it's, it's, I, I agree, one of the greatest, I think, comic book stories ever, ever written. Oh yeah, and I got. I think I have to give out a shout to. Um, I got to give out a shout to David Mack, who um, mm. who I've had the pleasure of kind of cyber talking to of recent, and uh, I think we're supposed to to meet up soon sometime in New York. He's out in San Diego oh, yeah. right now, but uh, I had told him what a fan I was of of just one particular piece, um, amongst many other things. Like you know, there's a lot of things that he's done that I'm, that I'm a big fan of, especially art wise. But yeah, yeah. Uh, he's also a great writer. And anyway, I had told him that Daredevil Volume 2, number 13, I don't mm-hmm. know if you've that cover, but man, it is one of the best Daredevil covers I've ever seen. It's like mm-hmm. a bleeding kingpin falling through the water. Oh, my With God. With the double Ds as well. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Double Ds. Exactly the double, yeah. 
It is brilliant. So uh, he owes me an autograph. <laughs> he definitely does. He was in uh, he was in London um, for a, a con a few months ago, and I met him. I've met him a couple of times, and um, he's he's lovely. You know, he's, he's yeah. such a nice guy. And um, I got him to sign a. Uh, he had some prints, which was um, of Echo and Daredevil, and I got him to sign that. And it's just Ooh, yeah, the Echo yeah, one was really cool. Yeah, I have a tattoo as well on my back based on the um, the Echo Vision Quest run that he did as part of Daredevil, which was like the two the story of the two dogs. I think that if you remember, like Wolverine tells Echo a story. I have that tattooed on my back because I really wow. like that. Yeah, <laughs> I have lots of geeky tattoos. Um, yeah, that's a very specific, cool, like geeky tattoo. It's very, very specific. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Have you got any geeky tattoos then? I don't have any tattoos actually. I think I think I missed my window. Like I probably should have started getting them already. Otherwise, it's kind of like oh, I don't know. I guess for work as well, you get a lot of actors, you know, who have a lot of tattoos, and then they get a role and they have to have everything covered up, you know, every day. So and yeah, sometimes production doesn't like that. They get like pissed off. So you're like, ah, uh, maybe it's maybe it's safer not to have them. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. definitely. Maybe I'll get some like when I'm seventy and I'm like, ah, old man Logan, I'll get them. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be awesome. Just go and get like complete sleeves, you know, yeah. everything. It'd be great. Why not? Who cares? Oh, so I was going to ask you because you were saying about David Mack. Have you read his Kabuki series then that he wrote? I haven't. Um, I, I promised I would actually. I know I've seen a lot of the art from it, but I've got to read it. Um, that's on my my list. I have a, a laundry list of stuff I need to get. <laughs> the first book in particular is. I mean, I I love all of them. I've I've got the complete Kabuki series, and I'm a big fan of them. But the first book which I think is Circle of Blood, is a fantastic read. And I would absolutely love for them to, you know, bring it to the big screen um, in, in some way. I think it would make such a good standalone story. It's, uh, okay. I really recommend it. It's great. Yeah. Well, I understand that he did that in a lot of parts, where it was a lot of eight-page story condensed versions of things where, like, art would change a little bit or tone would change a little bit in that first volume. Mm -hmm. And that sounds really cool. Yeah, I think he did it as part, like, when he was at college as well. It's one of the sort of earliest things he does, and it, it, the style is very different to his usual painted style. You know, it's all in black and white inks, and it's it's, it's just gorgeous, you know. I mean, he's so talented. Um, what he makes panels out of, you know, it's just amazing. Did you know that he had a hand in uh, doing some of those end credits for Captain America Winter Soldier? Yeah, I heard that, which which was um, which was great because I didn't realize at the time, and then I found out afterwards, and I thought that's such a cool idea, and it's something that I really hope they do going forward, like Marvel does, and they get some of these amazing artists to um, you know to actually have a hand in you know the way the credits look in some of the films, because right otherwise they they can be quite um, not samey, but you get a lot of the same sort of like the you know the X Men films at Fox is sort of going through DNA type things, you know, but it'd be really cool to do something much more creative with them. So I kind of hope they get other artists on board, you know, that have these very iconic looks. Oh, um, I agree. So that would be good. Um, yeah. but it was actually interesting because I know that you were saying on the other podcast as well that you wanted to be a comic book artist when you were growing up. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> did, yeah. Um, I, I just kind of self-taught myself, and I guess I got pretty good to about when I was about a mid-teenage age kind of guy, but um, I kind of slowly fell out of being 100% committed to it, but I definitely was into it for a few years. I was just like um, copying and trying to emulate everything Jim Lee, Mark Silvestri that I could. I was really into it, but um, they were big influences on me. I loved Silvestri when he was... Um, when he's, I mean, he's amazing even now. His detail's ridiculous. But I liked when he was a little bit looser and he was mm -hmm. like 
working when he was working for Uncanny X-Men. And they were just having him work like nonstop with the, you know, bi, what is it, bi-weekly issues or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, he was a busy man. And I loved his style. And I actually think like, what's his name? Olivier Oliver? Coypel is kind of like a, a newer version of him. I wish he would work more. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, I mean, some of the art I see coming out in the comics, um, even now, and I don't collect that many comics now as I did when I was younger, um, but I'm a, you know, a big Marvel fan. I don't really collect any others, although I like some stuff by, um, like Image and things like that, but some of the artwork is just consistently gorgeous. I love the, um, the, the artist that's just finished the current run on Daredevil, which was Chris Samney. Um, oh, Samney. Some of, oh, some of his stuff is just beautiful. The way he uses colour um, and his details in the backgrounds are fantastic. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the new creative team that's coming on are going to do with, you know, with the title. Oh, I as well. Totally. Yeah. I Hopefully like, there'll I be a little cameo by Francis in the background somewhere. maybe. <laughs> 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 yeah. My all-time guys, I guess, were, were Sylvester Lee. I love John Romita and John mm-hmm. Bajima. Um, they were untouchable, in my opinion. And then, um, oh, man, it varies. I really like Quesada's work on X-Factor. I know that's kind of like mm-hmm. a, like an odd way to pinpoint Quesada. But um, I really liked his run there. Jeez, uh, there were so many. Mm-hmm. But I think John Bajima and Sylvester Lee are probably my top. Uh, Sean Murphy's really good. He's a newer yeah. guy. He just did Chrononauts. He's awesome. Yeah, there's there's like... There's so many good ones at the moment. I love the, um, I can't think what his name is, but the um, the artwork in the, when Warren Ellis took over Moon Knight a few years ago. Oh, I, I love that. that. It was so, uh, particularly, and I love the covers for that run. They're very simple and just black and white, which as suits the character, but just absolutely gorgeous. And the uh, the covers on the um, the most recent run, the Charles Soule run of um, She-Hulk as well are oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. I've seen this on the rack, but I have not. I've not read or seen or you know flipped through them yet. It's so great. Really like good. Moon Knight still got some stuff to do. I think they could. You could see Moon Knight eventually on TV or screen or something. I would love for them to somehow, you know, if um, the Netflix series obviously go very well, and we have Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and Iron Fist to maybe bring in some other characters. They're bringing in the Punisher, but maybe bring in Moon Knight and Daughters of the Dragon. Right. Because these are all the characters I love. I love this, you know, the street level Marvel characters is what I've always loved, which is why I love, I got into Daredevil because he was, to me, always a more street level version of Spider-Man. But yeah, they brought in Moon Knight. I think I explode in fan happiness. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. So when you were doing the series, obviously you had a number of, (laughs) <laughs> scenes where you were being beaten up by Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> and Peter Shinkoda. How, I have to ask you, how is it doing a scene where you're going to be beaten up by Vincent D'Onofrio? Because he's an intimidating guy. He's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's not a small dude. He's about yeah. six foot four, you know what I mean? Uh, it's great because um, I got a shout out to, well, I got to say hi to Peter Shinkoda, my buddy. He and I will be at the London Film and Comic Con. Yeah. We're talking to him actually later today as well. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. Please tell him I said hi. <laughs> I will do. But, uh, yeah, we stay in touch a lot. Peter's amazing. And he's uh, the first guy I met, actually, when I arrived on set that night, that story I told you about. Mm-hmm. I went to go get my hair colored down, and Peter was getting his hair trimmed because uh, it was a little shaggy. And yeah. uh, Peter and I were in the trailer together, and he was the first guy I met in the cast, and he was the nicest guy. He had a Marvel T-shirt on with some different, like, um, 
kind of like face icons of different characters. Oh, cool. So we kind of knew immediately we'd be friends because I said, oh, do you read these? He's like, oh, yeah, totally. I, I completely read them. I love them. And, uh, <laughs> and that's a little Peter impression. And uh, <laughs> I knew we were going to be friends. Yeah, Peter appears very intense. He talks like this, and he's like a very, very intense guy. I think you'll really enjoy talking to him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've chatted with him a bit on Facebook, and he seems like a very cool guy. And I, I told him I'm wearing a, a T-shirt today, which is Asano Robotics, written in Japanese. Oh, which nice. is from the, the series. So I said, I'm going to wear that tomorrow, Peter, uh, you know, in honor that we're talking to you. So I yeah. think he was pretty pleased about that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he is. He's the sweetest guy. He is so sweet and generous. I can't, I could spend a whole podcast talking about what a good guy he is and, and how cool it is to, uh, to do a scene with him. Uh, but yeah, he, you know, he did that wrist lock on me and that was the first thing I had to do, uh, when I started working. So it was me grabbing Peter and him giving me a wrist lock, dropping me to my knees. So it was a little stunt for my first day. It was great. Mm. But I got to tell you, it was like the first day was, um, you know, Charlie Cox, Toby Moore, Vincent D'Onofrio and myself in, in a room. And it was a pretty surreal experience. Yeah, I bet. You know, he's dressed in his daredevil vigilante suit and I'm 10 feet away from him with a gun ready to shoot. And I go, is this real? This is crazy. <laughs> you know, you got to be an actor now. You can't be a fan. Yeah. It was pretty but, cool. But, um, getting punched by Vincent D'Onofrio, going back to that. Um, <laughs> you know, they had a great st- uh, stunt team and very detailed. So uh, Philip Silvera and, you know, of course, Chris Brewster, who's incredible. But Philip's very, very uh, attentive and, and very, very good. So anything he told me to do, I did. I was very, you know, I learned a lot from him. And I have some experience, not like Philip. So he, he guided me through, you know, the punches, bam, drop to your knees. And, you know, we would sub in and out stunt guys for me and, and Vincent, but um, mm-hmm. just depending on the angle. But there was a lot of times where I was on my knees and were ready to do a take and I got blood all over me. And Vincent's got me by my shirt collar and I look up at him, he looks down at me and we just start smiling like this. is. <laughs> you know? Vincent is very careful, too. He's very careful and um, a very safe guy to work with. And, of course, at the same token, though. You know, he he likes to joke and, and goof around. He's a very fun guy to work with. But when the cameras roll and he gets into his mode, he has a mode. It's ridiculous. It's like turning a switch. Uh, wow. It's, it's, it's tough. You know what I mean? You completely mm-hmm. don't have trouble suspending your disbelief when you're in those moments. It's like, no, no, that's Fisk, and he's going to kill you unless Bob Benson says something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was funny because watching the, the show um... – we watched it, um, well, I, when the show hit Netflix, I sat and watched all 13 episodes in a row. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> overnight. <laughs> um, oh my but my, it was, it was amazing. But my three co-hosts, uh, Robin, Matt, and Mel, um, <laughs> have, I don't know how they did it. You have a lot more, <laughs> more patience than I do. But they watched oh. um, an episode per week. And we would discuss it. So I knew sort of everything coming up, um, which was was great because I could make up stuff that wasn't going to happen. But I remember in the first few episodes, um, you know, Matt and Robin, who are more familiar with Marvel, were saying, oh, this isn't the kingpin. You know, he seems like quite chilled out and everything. You know, when you see him sort of uh, when he appears in episode three and the start of episode four, and then you just see him switch, you know, when he's, just beating with his fist, you know, like when he, he beats up your character and when he, he's decapitating Anatoly the Russian with a car door and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, that's Wilson Fisk. Yeah, we see yeah. him now. It's just amazing. It's such a great take on the character. It is, and, and, and he's he's very humble and credits, you know, everybody else around him that helped him get there, but he gets there. He's Vincent D'Onofrio, and mm-hmm. uh, 
he he did an incredible job that goes really without saying but um i also love the fact that this show took its time like no mm-hmm. other sh- and and basically tells you a dual origin you know it's an origin of matt murdock becoming daredevil and it's an origin of wilson fisk becoming kingpin and, and i i think that sometimes maybe some fans were maybe a little just hyped up and expecting it to just throw you in but I think a lot of people got it and understood that it's an origin story in season one, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what I love about that. I love that. I mean, take your time for me. I could sit all day and watch that stuff evolve if it's done as well as they did it. Absolutely. With the, I would always take character development over, um, particularly with this character that means so much to me. As I said, you know, I've, I've been a, I mean, I've been collecting Daredevil, I think, since I was about 10. I have a Daredevil tattoo. I've got issue number one on my wall. Um, When we spoke to um, uh, Christos Gage and Ruth Fletcher Gage about episode um, 11, you know, I sort of said to them, you know, the fact that there are, the show has been embraced by, like I said, the public who might not know anything about the character apart from the movie, but even, you know, hardcore fans like myself that have grown up loving the character and like yourself, um, one of the guests we had on, you know, two of the guests we've had on the show have been um, Cole Jeep from manwithoutfear.com, which is biggest dead of all website on the internet and Christine from the other Murdoch Papers blog um, and they again both massive dead of all fans and both love the show um, yeah. so it's really a credit to the entire creative team and um, all the actors like yourself that it's it's so good you know it could have very easily not been good but it's so good and the fact that it takes its time to develop is I just think it makes it so much more enjoyable. Oh I completely agree you know and that goes back to the producers and the writers and Jeff Loeb's vision Stephen DeKnight taking over for Drew and just mm-hmm. being a seamless you know showrunner and then you guys like Marco Ramirez and Doug Petrie you know who were doing incredible production and writing and of course Christos and Ruth Gage for episode nine uh Ruth Fletcher Gage and Christos Gage man I can't say enough about them <laughs> they're great and they're so much fun and they're so talented they had a lot of nice things to say about you as well <laughs> Oh, that's great. I have to to ask you a question about the last episode. Um, Did you get to ride in that helicopter when it took off? I did. Oh, amazing. Because I I was was like, I hope that was you because, I mean, that must be such an awesome thing to do anyway, just ride the helicopter with the whole of New York in the background. Oh, yeah. It was absolutely awesome. It was freezing cold, though, that night. (laughs) It happened to be one of those, like, November nights that felt like a February night. It wow. was just really – they had to pick that one, right? Um, <laughs> but, no, it's uh, all good problems to have. Yeah, um, Ayala and myself both got in that helicopter, and we both took off, and we did it a few times. It was really, really cool, uh, you know, especially for my last day or whatever it was, my last shot. Mm. Uh, it was great. Yeah, it was really, really cool. And the pilot uh, – was a professional pilot, obviously, but he could land that thing so precisely on their marker to do it again. That was the little detail that blew my mind. It wasn't even like an inch over. It was exactly where it was supposed to be. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. I kept saying to the guy, I think his name was Alexander, and I said, Alexander, my God. And he's like, oh, what can I tell you? <laughs> it was great. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, it must have been such a cool way to sort of, End. And as I said, I, I like to imagine, like, after season one ends that you've got, like, I mean, who knows where Francis and Vanessa went off to, but I like to imagine they're hiding out in, like, you know, Switzerland or somewhere and 
Francis is just in fear every day of his life, going, I can't mess this up, I can't, I have to make sure nothing happens to this woman. Look at that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a fair, a fair guess, actually. I think that's a, a very good um, kind of like hypothesis of what's going on right now. <laughs> So I know you probably can't tell us. Um, have you? Is there anything you have you been approached about season two? Or I can't even you know how that goes. I, I can't say anything <laughs> about this. I can tell you. I can talk to you all day about what we all know about season two, but I can't comment anything further. Yeah. So you're excited about like Punisher? Oh, Punisher and uh, Elektra as well. And Punisher is. I mean, I, I think um, John John Bernthal's going to be amazing. I'm not that familiar with um, his work apart from Walking Dead, but I think he's he's such a cool choice to play that role. Oh, I agree. I'll throw out one thing for you to do, some fun homework if you're okay. up for it. Um, sure. John Bernthal, great. Absolutely great in Walking Dead. We all know him as Shane, and he really made a splash there. And I agree. Awesome. But go watch the movie Fury with Brad Pitt. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. He is in that. And I think when you see his performances as Shane in Walking Dead, and then you see him as the character he plays, forgive me for not remembering his name, in Fury, okay. you are going, you're going to go, oh, okay, I know. Yep, he's Punisher. Excellent. I've written it down that I have homework to do now and watch that film. His performance in that is particularly frightening. Very good. Excellent. Well, we did. I think I joked and with you on, um, on Twitter about saying at the end of the series that, you know, maybe – uh, when Francis and Vanessa fly off, obviously before the announcement about Punisher for season two, that, uh, you know, Francis comes back to New York, dyes his hair black and shortens his name to Frank and is Frank Castle and <laughs> has revenge on Daredevil. I remember that now. Yes, that was a very good one. I was like, oh, if only. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Robert. Yeah, it's funny because I, when, I when I was looking at the cast listing and Claire had mentioned that we were going to be talking to you towards the end of the season, and, I, you know, it took us a while you know, for me to get to where your character shows up. And I, I, kept, I was like, Francis, huh? Hmm. <laughs> that sounds a lot like Frank. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> if they're going to introduce the Punisher at the end of the season. But, you were uh, yeah. overthinking everything, though, Robin. You were like, what does this mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, being able to watch Everything's a clue. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that's not that's not a bad uh, approach because they are they are like that sometimes. They are tricky. There's you know some little Easter eggs here and there, and uh, that's that's fair, I guess. Um, but yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, of course, I'd love to see Wilson Fisk and, and Vanessa and Francis come back. Of course, I mean, I think it it would make sense. But um, you know, we'll have to just wait and see what 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 happens with that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I hope I hope you come back too. Um, because I, 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 mean, I think we said when we covered the um, episode 13 last week, one of my favorite relationships in the series is the relationship between uh, Fisk and Vanessa. I think it's so fascinating and both actors do such an amazing job. So I would love for them to, I mean, obviously we've got Punisher in season two, we've got Electra, so I imagine you might have Punisher as a prime antagonist, but I, I definitely hope we still get um, Fisk and Vanessa, and obviously Francis as well, the one remaining <laughs> member of, te of Team Fisk, <laughs> apart from right. Madame Dow, who managed to get away. Um, you know, I would love for that to still be part of the, the story going on. Oh, certainly, certainly. I think that's also one of the brilliant things of season one, too, is that the romantic leads were actually Fisk and Vanessa and not mm -hmm. Murdoch and Kent, for instance. I mean, of course, he'll get his, you know, a little bit with Rosario Dawson, and that, that was really cool, too, but it wasn't the main if you will, romantic focus. It was actually more about Wilson and Vanessa, and I thought that was brilliant too. Absolutely, 
Yeah. I pointed out to um, to my co-host, I think, towards the end of the show that, um, you know, obviously Daredevil is known as a, a bit of a ladies' man in the comics. Um, one of the, I think, like Wolverine in one of the comics refers to him as the biggest himbo that ever wore a pair of tights. Um, <laughs> but you actually end up having Foggy gets much more of a love life in the series than Matt Murdock does, which to me right, I yeah. found hilarious because, you know, Matt's obviously busy with other things. Um, right. <laughs> I think that was great. <laughs> um, I agree. So I wanted to ask you, obviously, you mentioned that you're going to be at uh, London Comic Con next week um, with Peter Shinkoda, which is awesome. And ironically, I go to that pretty much every time it's on. But next week, I'm going to be in New York. So I'm not going to the one next week. <laughs> oh, um, you're kidding me. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to New York. Well, Robin's going as well. And we're meeting up with a, yeah. a lot of people and uh, going to do some sightseeing. So it's going to be really cool. Um, but uh, are you are you sort of looking forward to coming to London? Have you been before? Are you going to do any sightseeing? I'm so looking forward to going. Um, this will be my first Comic-Con appearance um, oh, wow. as a guest. As a guest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've gone. I've gone to Comic Cons and enjoyed them many times, but um, the first time as a guest, so it's a, a, quite a big undertaking. I understand. Peter has been to a few, uh, you know, from his Falling Skies resume mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, he told me to hold on to my hats because it, it's like a real big one. So I'm certainly excited about it. And um, I haven't been to England before. I've been to Ireland, but I have not been to England. I would love. I would love to sightsee a little bit. I know we're going to be very busy for three days. Uh, indoors but hopefully uh in the morning and at night we'll get a chance to see some stuff mm, definitely it's, it's and it's really nice weather over here as well at the moment so if you can get oh, like good. down to the riverside uh, it's really cool down there and you can see a lot of the the big sites just by walking along the uh the river you can see tower of london and you know um the globe and a lot of stuff like that and it's with oh, the weather okay. as nice as it is yeah i recommend that and you've got a lot of amazing guests that you're going to be at Comic-Con with because you've got, I think, Sigourney Weaver, the entire cast of Back to the Future are going to be there. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's talking about another really uh, huge classic. Big influence when I was a kid. Loved Back to the Future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Could quote it. That was actually... Some of the first impressions I ever learned was quoting uh, scenes from Back to the Future with like this and, and Marty and George. And, and yeah, absolutely. So excited. And, of course, Sigourney Weaver. I mean, talk about the ultimate badass. Yeah, she's amazing. So you're going to have an awesome time. Um, oh. one, of, one of the other things I wanted to ask you about as well is I know that you are in a band at the moment. You're a busy guy because, you know, you do, <laughs> you do drawing, you do acting, you're in a band. And you've been in bands previously. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, well, yeah, I'm currently working with, with two different projects and trying to juggle them. And um, I'm I'm certain that I'll have more clarity as to what I can promote very soon. Let's put it that way. It's a little bit strange, I know, but um, <laughs> I'm currently singing in two different projects and really, really enjoying it. Um, I put it down for over six months because my previous band broke up. And that was, you know, a tough thing to, to do because I was with Sweet Fix for six years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, Sweet Fix broke up in uh, 2014 in December, um, right about when I was finishing up Daredevil. But um, that was a great experience. We were a New York City rock pop band and just kind of tore it up, and we had some amazing times. We're all still very friendly, and there's no, like, bad blood or anything like that. Unfortunately, it's not like a Motley Crue behind the music drama. <laughs> but, uh, you know, how that ended. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's all good. Um, you can find Sweet Fix on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. Um, we got a couple EPs and an album called Golden Age that's up there. But um, right now I'm really, really excited about the uh, the potential 
uh, band announcement to make in the coming, I think, you know, one or two weeks, I should have some, uh, some more clarity about what I'm officially lead singing for. <laughs> right. Oh, so you do the, so you're lead singer for the band. So you do any instruments or anything like that or? I wish I did. Uh, I, I mean, uh, I'm basically primarily a singer front man. I definitely write a lot of songs and tunes and melodies and lyrics, but um, I wish I could play. I could play drums a little bit, but obviously the guys I'm working with are way better than me. So <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a singer. I've been singing, you know, in bands since, geez, for a while now. <laughs> Excellent. That's very cool. But I'm a huge, huge rocker, like huge rock fan. I, it's like a huge part of my life and personality, you know. The first Queen concert I ever saw on a videotape was it for me. I was sold. Oh, Freddie Mercury, amazing. Nice. Like he's yeah. Like so, what yeah, sort of yeah. bands would you say were sort of you are you a big fan of or what influences and? Oh, uh, Queen hands down was the first thing that really sparked it. Um, the first Queen CD I got was Live Killers, which isn't the like. Um, the quintessential Queen discs to get when you're first becoming a Queen fan because it was really poorly recorded. Mm-hmm. And uh, like a double disc from 1979, and uh, it has all the classics, but, uh, all, you know, a very tired Freddie Mercury and a very muffled analog sound. And it's still incredible, and it's mm. still awesome. So Live Killers I played to no end, and I had to start getting the studio albums. The first studio album that I picked up, if I'm remembering correctly, well, actually, the first one was Flash Gordon's soundtrack, but I almost didn't count it because I didn't understand it at the time. <laughs> I understand it now. I actually find the, the gold in there. But uh, it was, oh, I remember. It was Day at the Races, 1976 Day at the Races. Mm-hmm. And that was the first studio album I got. And then I subsequently got all of them, every single possible released piece of, uh, of music they got. I love U2. Um, I'm a huge U2 fan, all their incarnations. But I, ironically enough, I think my favorite album of all time is Octung Baby from 1991. Oh, nice. I think that's the the best hands-down, top-to-bottom record U2 ever did. But um, I love In Excess. I love uh, The Cult, uh, Ian mm-hmm. Asbury and The Cult. Um Love Van Halen, all their incarnations. I love um, Fleetwood Mac. I love Butch yeah. Walker. I don't know if you know who Butch Walker is. I've heard the name, but I'm not that familiar, but I know the name. Unbelievable. Started out like pop rock and then solo heavy rock. Then he became kind of pop, and now he's more like a country, kind of southern singer-songwriter type uh, vibe. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, produced, he's produced some of the best acts in rock and roll over the years, uh, but huge fan. Huge fan. I love rock so much. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac were in London recently, but I didn't get to see them, which was a shame because I love Fleetwood Mac. Um, but oh, oh. Never mind. There, I want to I ask you about this band. Maybe you know them. Okay. My, my new favorite band okay. in the world, The Struts. Again, I've heard of them. I would probably recognize the music, but I can't place it at the moment. I'll add it okay. to my, my Tommy Walker homework list, though. Please do. They're from they're from They're they're an English band, and this oh, cool. kid Luke, Luke Spiller is mm-hmm. almost like a living embodiment of Freddie Mercury. His his voice is unbelievable. Oh wow! It, it's cool you actually. The the stuff they've done with Queen, because obviously they're uh, I think they're I think they're still touring at the moment, and they've had um, Adam Lambert touring with them. Um, you know, oh, yeah. a, 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 sort of as the front man, and it's. I was always, I'm always a bit like, oh, no one can sing those songs apart from Freddie, but um, he, his voice as well, Adam Lambert, is incredible, and he really does a, a good job singing those songs. I'd love to see them 
perform live scenes. I, you know, obviously won't get to see the original lineup again, but um, he's he does an awesome job. He's got a great voice as well. Really, he really does. He's a great choice. Mm-hmm, definitely. Um, so do you get to see much music then when you're in, obviously in New York, you're in the, the best place? Yeah, there's a ton of bands. I, I used to, when I was in the band circuit, um, you know, you get to see a lot of acts before and after you when you're doing like a night of bands. But um, I've been so busy lately the last two years that I've seen so little. I, I, I hate to say it, but um, it's kind of like one of those things, like if I'm not working, doing it myself, then I really don't get a chance to go out and see other, other acts or other people, unfortunately. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another right now. So I've, I've kind of been... Uh, a bit of a homebody when I can possibly get like the second I have any time that's down I'm home just kind of yeah. trying to <laughs> <laughs> just chilling out um, yeah. I have to ask you as well um, obviously when you did the this week uh, in Marvel podcast you got to visit Marvel HQ and as such a huge fan of Marvel how was that that was the greatest that was the greatest um, actually I want to credit Peter Shinkoda for that one um, because he knew a guy who was working there who was willing to give him a tour and, mm-hmm. you know, take him around. And uh, Peter, of course, you know, when he was heading to New York City, he, of course, gave me a call and told me he's coming so we could hang out. And I said, great. And then he said, uh, oh, also, you're coming to Marvel with me. <laughs> and I, I said, excuse me? And uh, he, you know, proceeded to tell me he told his buddy about me. And then he said, you know, he's Francis on Daredevil. And the guy said, oh, of course, bring him, bring him. Absolutely bring him. <laughs> So that's how that happened. So I have to thank again and credit Peter for uh, for bringing me along. And we had the best time. Uh, he's the best guy to go to Marvel HQ with because uh, he can hang. He, he he knows about you know comics and Marvel, and he grew up reading Spider Man. And um, we just had a ball. It was like kids in candy stores, and they were so generous. They they you know everywhere we went, they were just giving us like swag. It was unbelievable oh, wow. how much stuff they gave us. Yeah. Robin, we've got to get in there when we go to New York. Got oh, I was looking to see if they did any tours, but nope. <laughs> <laughs> it, we were very lucky, and they were very generous and so nice to us. And they all, they, they all knew who we were because they watched the show, and it was uh, a, a big mutual respect from each other because we, all, we also knew who they were. And it was it was really exciting, and um, it was cool. I mean, they, every room is kind of laid out with a specific theme, and... There's the conference rooms that have different things, the Hulk room, the Thor room, the Iron Man room, the Captain America room. It was really, it was great. It was really, really great. So are there any, um, obviously, as a big Marvel fan yourself, with the sort of upcoming projects that Marvel are doing, like with the other Netflix series coming out, and they've announced, you know, the the rest of their slate for, you know, Phase 3 movies coming out, is there any one in particular that you're really excited about, you know, to see, see come out? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, definitely Captain America 3, uh, mm. Civil War. I think everybody knows why the anticipation is so high for that one, because that's the beginning of, of the craziness and a possible cameo of a character we've been waiting for for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I'm so excited to see Spider-Man return to the Marvel Universe, so wherever he ends up, I can't wait to see that that moment where like Spidey's talking to Cap or Spidey's talking to, you know... Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait for Avengers Infinity War, part one and two. Um, I'm really, really interested to see what they do with Captain Marvel. Mm, me too. I'm really pumped about that one. I'm really glad that they're doing that. And another thing that's genius about Marvel and the cinematic universe is they're really, of course, the only company capable of doing this this well because they have a track record of it, but they're taking like C-list characters and making them A-list in the, in the film world like Iron yeah. Man. 
or like Guardians um, of the Galaxy, like nobody would have thought that that would be as big, you know, where people who've never read a comic are saying, I am Groot, you know, <laughs> they know who Groot is, it's incredible. That's got to be the, the, the best example, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing like you know Black Panther and Captain Marvel movies like that. And um, uh, let's see, as far as the TV world, I, it just keeps expanding, and I can't wait to see what they do with the, with tying it all together and Defenders. I'm really excited about that. And um, you know, I'm 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 pretty easy to please uh, when it comes to what they've been doing so far. They've got such a great track record, in my opinion. Exactly. Every announcement they they do, you know. Um like when there's the announcement of anyone cast, like, you know, um, the recent announcements of Elektra and everything. With any announcement, you know, where it's it's something to do with stuff that fans are passionate about, there'll always be people going, oh, it's not how I imagined it. But they've their track record, as you said, has been so good so far that I'm just like, eh, they know better than me <laughs> in terms of what's probably going to, you know, going to work. They have a very clear idea at the moment. So, yeah, I just can't wait to see it. Um, but, yeah, it's such an exciting time to be a comic book fan at the moment. Oh, it is, isn't it? I, I did an interview yesterday where I was talking with a guy, uh, Rory Williamson, on Everything mm-hmm. Geek Podcast. He was very nice. And uh, we talked about Kevin Feige and how what a difficult job he has. Yeah. And, um he does it so well because, again, you're not going to be able to please uh, the fans 100%. It, it, it's an impossible task. But but I will say they have this incredible way of, of getting there so much, getting to the fans just enough in every way, of, of every style of movie they produce, and then also doing something that's a little bit more widespread to gain new fans. They have mm-hmm. this blend capability. It's very, very tough, and he does a great job. Definitely. Um yeah, so hope, I mean, hopefully at some point we'll. I mean, what I really want crossover is I would love to see a Daredevil um, Spider Man appearance together because I love. I've always loved their um, friendship in the comic um, in the comics, and if we ever got a scene where they're sitting in a bar in costume together having a beer, I'd be very happy um, because yeah. it would, I just love. I love their relationship in the comics. You know, um, they have a great, uh, great relationship in the comics. Um, actually, that. That issue I mentioned earlier, Daredevil 270, it's actually Spider-Man and Daredevil versus Mephisto to, yeah. uh, for a time. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's a great, great uh, camaraderie they have, and I, I wouldn't be surprised anything's possible now if they Definitely. got together. There was a great, I mean, if they ever did, I mean, obviously you need all the backstory for the characters, but there was a great moment, I can't remember which comic it was in, where I think Spider-Man's kind of complaining about his love life, and he's like, oh, you know, Gwen Stacy died, and... Daredevil was like, dude, really? Like, all my girlfriends are dead or evil, you know? <laughs> like, really, don't complain. <laughs> Which I just think yeah. is great. <laughs> song elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much longer we have, because obviously we talked for quite a while. But uh, is there anything you've got coming up, apart from obviously Comic-Con next week, which people should definitely go to and uh, and come say hi to you? Uh, is there anything else you have coming up that you'd you'd want to promote? Uh, you can tell us about <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that I can tell you about. Hmm, that's the question. Um, Daredevil season two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 careful now, careful. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Uh, there's a, yeah, a couple things in the works that i you know, trying to figure out. That's the life of an actor. You know, you're always kind mm-hmm. of in flux, uh, bouncing from one new possibility to the next. So I'm, I'm still hopeful about some certain things in the works now, but uh, I can talk about... Yes, the London Film and Comic Con next week. I'm going to be doing a couple in the States. Uh, I'm actually going to be with Christos and Ruth Fletcher Gage in Long Beach, California, September 12th and 13th at the Long Beach Comic Con. And um, I believe we might be doing a, uh, a, 
I think if it works out, we're doing a panel, the three of us, about Daredevil, which will be really fun. Uh, and then Edison, New Jersey in November, we're doing the New Jersey Comic Expo and Rhode Island in early November, uh, the Rhode Island Comic Con. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing a bunch of appearances coming up this fall there. Uh, in between, I'm going to be working on that music stuff that I'll probably be announcing very soon on Twitter. And there's a show that has been airing overseas, I think closer to your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a show we did called Us and Them. Okay. With Alexis Plattel and Jason Ritter, and it's airing on a station called Four, I believe, in some countries. Uh, but it was originally Fox over here, mm-hmm. and um, really, really funny show with Michael Ian Black, Carrie Kenny, Kurt Fuller, great cast. And um, like I said, that's currently airing overseas right now. Fox released it, but it went somewhere else now, and now it's airing. I play a character named Officer Phil Buckley, and Phil Buckley is a very strange, <laughs> funny cop. I've actually seen a clip of it because I know it's in your demo reel, and it was hilarious. <laughs> that that bit, um, the clip of that, it made me laugh so hard. It was so like you were so funny in that in that clip when you opened the door and was chatting to them. So thank you very much. That one's that one's running right now. Um, uh, what was I going to say about that? Yeah, it's the exact opposite of, of Francis, quite literally. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It was. It looked like a really fun character to play. Um, but it looked like you actually on your demo, you had like quite a a, a few um, appearances, which were more obviously like performances, which were more comedic, uh, which is very you know funny seeing seeing you do that after seeing Francis, who as you said is kind of very <laughs> calm and stoic, you know. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely check that show out because it did look like a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so obviously, when you're uh, when you're in Daredevil season two, hopefully Marvel, if you're listening, Marvel, <laughs> um, we'd love for you to come back and and chat with us if you have any other appearances on the show, or if you just want to come and chat about comics as well, because we're always up for that. <laughs> I'll take you up on either. Both sound really good. Yeah, you have to let us know what you think of Kabuki. Oh, I will. I, I promise you, I'll be I'll be getting that very soon. <laughs> and people should definitely follow you on Twitter because you're actually on Twitter quite a lot, um, which I we've sort of commented on stuff going back and forth. So, um, where can people follow you on Twitter? Uh, yeah, uh, Tommy Walker twenty four is my Twitter. Uh, what do you call it? Title. I, I um, think it's handle. Is it handle? Handle. I don't know. Handle. Yeah. Okay. You're right. <laughs> I, I wasn't know. I wasn't on Twitter at all, really much at all for. Uh, for it, since its inception, I guess, to now until until Daredevil, and I, I've met a ton of wonderful people who, you know, give a shit about the show and, and the character, and it was really um, surprising and also really heartwarming to see that everyone liked it so much, and that you know, uh, there was a great gal named Jolyn who started a, a fan club on there mm-hmm. for me. Uh, I had made a like a kind of a a jokey comment like, oh wow, you know, Toby Moore has a fan page. A guy can dream, can he? And she goes, oh yeah. She's like. I'll start one right now. And I was like, you know, wow. So she started one and it's, it's the greatest. It's like, I think it's called Tommy cat 24. Yeah. And that's on Twitter and they're unbelievable. They're, they're, they're hilarious and they, they make funny cartoons and drawings. <laughs> they're so supportive and so nice. And that's one of the reasons I actually uh, like Twitter now because um, there's like this community of fans and like good people. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it now. themselves a, a name like Toby Moore's followers. I know call themselves the S'mores. 
Yes, yeah, the s'mores. I know the s'mores. They're they're uh, they're my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so yours could be the Tomcats, I guess. Tommy cats. Tommy yeah, the Tommy cats. <laughs> it was funny when you were saying about Twitter as well, because when we spoke to John Patrick Hayden, who plays um, Jack Murdoch in the show, he yeah, also John. said that he hadn't been on Twitter and he kind of joined. You know, when he got involved with Daredevil, you know, because a lot of for the pretty much the same reasons that you said. Um, and he's a, he's a really cool guy as well. It was fun to chat. Yeah, very nice. So, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on again. Oh, pleasure. Thank you guys so much, Rob and Claire. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank um, you. we hope all our Defenders listeners enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. You can comment and send feedback to us by emailing defenderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash defenderspodcast or on Twitter at defenderspod. Defenders Podcast is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it, you can send it to your friends, you just can't make any money off of it. You can't change it, and you have to link back to us and our site. Excelsior!